Where the hell have you been, soldier? Training, sir! Training, sir! What kind of training, son? Pizza training, sir! Welcome to episode 20 of Drew and Sam Talk Training. I am Drew Helmholtz with Better Than Yesterday Consulting. And I am Sam with Fowser Consulting. Drew, did you say episode 20? I did. Oh my God. I did. How is that even possible? I mean, we, had a, we had a partial episode. So I mean, if you're counting, it could be 21, but we count it as 20. So it's episode 20. Yeah. Wow. That's we amazing. Have- and, and people are still listening. Oh my gosh. And, and listening in droves more and more each week, which is even more amazing that they keep coming back for more when we do things like this. Yeah. 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 How about I go through what this podcast looks like so that we can actually get into it. What do you think? I think that sounds like a one heck of a great idea. Cool. So we'll talk about where we've been. We'll get into some let's talk training around awareness. We're going to do a book review on the five dysfunctions of the team by Patrick Lincoln. Uh, we'll do Sam's favorite sec- segment called taken. We have a great interview with guest Sheldon port. We'll discuss on the road again, and then we will unboard this boat. Yeah. See land the plane always works better than unboard this boat. Like what disembark, disembark this boat. No, yeah, I think we're no, going to disembark. Uh, I think we're oh. going to leave port but not Sheldon. Uh, but yeah, that's I, where I was trying to go with that, but yeah, yeah, it just wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. So Drew, where the heck have you been? Sam, I have been mostly at home doing a lot of backend stuff for franchisees. It seems that my consulting business is migrating from a lot of class to some HR functionality. So there's been uh, some smart recruiter learning, which has been a blast more learning hub. And then uh, BTYU is starting to take off. So it's been a lot of uh, back end at my desk work the last week or so. How about you? Yeah, a lot of the same. Been working on a lot of new content for 2022. Uh, I've got a client later on this year. We're going to kind of do a choose your curriculum couple of days where AMs can choose two out of five available curriculums and they'll come to a two hour workshop over the course of two days. So looking forward to that. Cool. And with that, let's get right into Tom Petty. Sam, this is my episode. I don't know if the listeners have picked up on that, but you and I alternate episodes. And when we alternate episodes, we get to let's talk training and it's kind of the spitballing process. And I want to actually start with a story. As I run around the country teaching the Better Than Yesterday visit system, I find that the supervisors want to take the learning and and put it into practice in the store. And it's usually around one of two concepts, A-T-D-E-A-T-T and food. Let's make our service times better and let's fix our food costs. That's usually where the supervisors go. There's always something else, but those two are pretty steady. And so one of the things when we get into the store around food is you know, we observe, so we're asking questions. So I always have the soups ask the manager or the shift leader, what are the top five waste items? And can you show me the report? And it's amazing to me that we're in stores that are running like 
three and 4% variances. And the shift leads are like, no, I don't know. I know it's bad. Please don't fire me. So what I wanted to talk about for this Let's Talk training was around awareness, because it's odd to me that as leaders, we can be like, this store has this problem and this store has this problem. And then you get into the store and you're like, do you have a problem? Yes. What's the problem? I'm not, I, I don't know. Well, how do you find do you have a problem? I'm not sure. Cool. So what do you do about it? I get called into the office every other Monday to talk about my problem. Like, I think we can probably talk through better ways to, to help build awareness. And I'm, I'm using food as an example, but I'm sure you've seen it in other things as well, Sam. I see it a lot. And for me, what I keep coming back to when we're finding gaps in performance, when execution isn't leading up to or or meeting where we want our expectation levels, I come back to the same thing over and over and over again. And that's because we're in the staffing situation we're in or we're needing to run the labor that we need to run, that our newer managers, our people that are beginning their journey into leadership aren't getting the same things that you and I had the luxury of. And that's side-by-side coaching with their peers. You know, it seems like the day shift manager, as soon as the night shift manager comes in, they're like, okay, great, I can leave. And there's no conversation. There's no side-by-side learning. And I think that's what's really leading to this lack of awareness. And when we've got this lack of awareness that you talk about, and let's, you know, let's, be perfectly frank about this. There's just a horrible lack of awareness on things that you need to be aware about to run the business correctly. We've got to decide what it is we're working on and start teaching our folks how to be aware of these things and do it one at a time. You know, we've, we, we keep reading books over and over and over again. And we've, I think we've seen it in two or three different books that if everything is important, then nothing is important. Yeah. And we've got to decide what, which metric it is that you want to help them make awareness become, oh, I don't know, a 911 reflex, you know, something that you're going to hear Sheldon talk about later on in that great interview that we had with him. What's going to just become an instant reflex, something that you hear and you just immediately take action and it can't be everything. It just can't be. It's too much for our young leaders to learn. It's too much for somebody at the beginning of their journey to learn. So, you know, if you're an above store leader, if you're a franchisee, if you're a general manager teaching an AM the ropes, you've got to decide what's the most important thing right now to move your business the furthest, the fastest, with the least amount of effort. And let's make that become standard operating procedure. And then once that becomes a habit, once that becomes a muscle that they don't even have to think about, then let's move on to the next one. If you try to teach them two, three, four, five things at once that are all important, I can promise you a month down the road, none of those are going to be important anymore because it didn't become a habit. I heard a GM actually say something along those lines that what they do is they fold it in. If you think about like when you're baking or mixing, right? I'm going to fold it in and I'm going to mix it till it's all kind of blended again. And then I'm going to fold another in. I'm going to mix it till it's all blended in. And we can go all the way back to atomic habits where he talks about habit stacking and taking what you do and adding more to it, that it'll help. It's a lot. It's a lot. And if I come at you right now with all of it, you're not going to retain it all. But if I come at you with just this one thing for the next two, three weeks, make sure you got it, you understand it. And then I add something it's go slow to go fast. 
I want to get there as quick as you do, Sam. I don't want to repeat this though, six months down the line where we stopped doing something because the supervisor didn't talk about it for two days. This fits for everything. And you and I have mentioned on this podcast about being in stores where we're like, how many team members do you need? I need 10. And you go back into the back, you pull the reports, need, they need like two. It's an awareness of, around any of it for the leaders, not just the GMs, but you supervisors, you directors and, and franchisees listening. Pick the metrics, stick to the metrics, don't change them. If you don't have a metric for something, find it. We had Stan on and years ago, Stan created bench strength because we didn't have a way to measure the assistant managers in the system. So if you don't have a way to measure something, then then create it, but then stick to it. Don't keep changing it. Fold it in, fold it in. Fold it in might be my phrase for the day, Sam, fold it in. I like that. And, you know, when you say fold it in and you say you want to make sure that you get it in there so much that a month down the road, I don't have to say it again. You know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think what I heard you say was a month down the road, we are going to say it again, but we're not going to be teaching it again. We're going to revisit correct. it. We're, we're going we're gonna to check in and make sure that, that what we folded in a month ago is still tasty and yummy you know, using the baking analogy. We want to make sure that we've still got that taste in our mouth, that we're still doing these things, that they've become standard operating procedures. And we've got to do that. We've got to check in a month down the road. You know, I'm with you. I don't want to, I don't want to train you, Drew, today on something and fold it in and fold it in and fold it in and six weeks down the road have to train you again on that thing. But I absolutely want to check in along the way and and make sure you're executing on what we've what we've learned. In like the BTY system, I teach a lot that it's, it's not about me as a supervisor pushing information down to the GM. It's about setting an expectation and the GM giving me the information because I want the GM to be aware. I want the shift leader to be aware. So I want them to give me the information because then I can see that they're aware. That helps build this. So this way, if I don't ask about food cost for two days, it's fine. You've been sending me the data and okay, I'll respond tomorrow with a text high five, great job. Or I'll come in the next day and hey, let's let's check your scales because something's not going on here, right? Whatever that might be, it, it allows me to have that conversation and not do the the training over and over and over again. And that's the key here. And I know some of you are seeing it right now that that training moment is happening over and over again, whether it's because of turnover or lack of retention or because we're jumping topics so often that we're not letting that first bit of training stick. You know, this is Drew and Sam talk training, and we're talking about awareness today on our talk training piece. Let's actually talk some training around the awareness. I think it's really important. I think I said this maybe early on episode three or four. I think it's important to take inventory of what your team knows. So if you go into a store and people don't know what their top five overused things were, I think you've got to figure out if they even knew there was a variance. And then I think you've got to figure out if they even know where to see a variance. And I think you've got to figure out if they did a full inventory last night because it was weekend or month end or the night before a truck or whenever it is that you do a full inventory, did they look at the variance? And if they saw one, what did they do next? And you've got to ask questions because you've got to take inventory on what they know. If you want them to be better tomorrow than they were, oh, heck, I don't know, yesterday, then you've got to make sure you understand exactly where they are in the process of learning. And as a leader, as a teacher, as a developer of talent, 
you don't want to waste what precious time you have teaching them multiplication if they don't even know addition yet. You've got to find out what the root cause of the problem is and where you want to start the process. And for each one of your candidates, that process could start in a different spot. And that's okay. You should not be judging them on what they know and what they don't know, because truly what you're judging is what you've taught and what you haven't taught. You know, back in pizza prep school, Drew, I think you'll remember this. We used to say there are no bad students. There are only bad teachers and only bad coaches. If you've got someone on your team that doesn't have all the skills and knowledge that they need right now, the first place you should look at is in the mirror. And have you done everything you can to teach them what they need to know? I can't say it enough. You've got to find out exactly where your learner is before you can start the process of teaching them what they need to know. And I think some of you are going to be really surprised where your learners are and they're not nearly as far as you think they are. And that's okay. As long as we find out where they need to start and we start them there and we make sure we don't move on to step two until step three or until step one is solid. You know, the assistant manager program, the MIT program, the development program, whatever the heck you want to call it, has always been a self-paced program. It's you learn at the pace you need to learn at. And I think what's really important is that you find out exactly where there are. And learners, if you're listening, listen, you've got to shoulder some responsibility too. You've got to put on your grown-up attitude and you've got to be willing to stick your hand high in the air and say, I need to know this. And hopefully the people that are developing you will be strong enough and kind enough to say, okay, great, let's teach you that. Whatever it is that you need to know, you've got to be able to say, I need to know this. If you don't know the difference between pepperoni and sausage, and for goodness sake, that's a crazy example, but you got to say, what's the difference between pepperoni and sausage? Or I'm doing inventory tonight. I don't know how much pepperoni is in a case. I don't know how much pepperoni is in a bag. I don't know what unit of measure you want me to count by. Don't fake it until you make it. Ask questions that will help you execute at the level of expectation so that your store can be a great Domino's pizza store and deliver great Domino's pizza experiences and don't ever be ashamed of this and make money. That's why we do what we do. This isn't just about the place that you work. So if I may, Sam, very recently, my wife was helping the local high school with their production of Little Mermaid. For those of you that don't know, our little town of Dexter has a fabulous center of the performing arts called the CPI that seats 800 people. It is a monster theater. My kids in college that do theater don't have theaters as big as this high school theater. And they are learning one of the dances for Little Mermaid. And my wife hops on the stage because that's what she does. And she put raises her hand. And the choreographer goes, yes, Jody. And the choreographer is talking through what they call the God mic, because you can hear the mic through the whole theater, the backstage, in the dressing rooms. Except you couldn't hear it on the part of the stage where Jody was standing. So there are 60 kids on the stage learning this dance, and 40 of them can't hear a bit of direction. And they hadn't been able to hear a bit of direction for over 20 minutes. And Sam, how many of those kids raised their hand and said, I can't hear you? I'm going to go out on a limb and say zero. Correct. So they actually stopped and had a conversation very similar to what we're having now. 
that if you have a problem, you have to raise your hand. You have to say, I need to know. I can't hear. I have to do this. You have to bring awareness that you need help, support, structure. So if you're listening to this and you're like, I don't know where to get my inventory variants. Sheldon later on is going to mention the first order order of the day. You don't know what report to find that in. Man, ask, 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 ask. No one's going to think less of you for asking. In fact, most folks will be surprised that you did and will take you aside and be like, oh, now let me show you these 65 cool things too. You know, the onus is on the trainer to pull the questions out of the learner, but the process is going to go a whole lot faster, folks. If you're the learner and you ask the questions that you need to know, a lot of us don't want to ask questions because we don't want to seem dumb or we don't want to seem like, oh, he's already told me that once. I shouldn't know it. If you want to speed the process up and spoiler alert, you want to speed the process up, then ask the questions that are on your mind. And hopefully you're with a trainer or someone that's developing you that will appreciate that and you can help them take inventory on you as the learner much quicker because you simply tell them. Imagine how easy it would be to do inventory in your store if you walked in the cooler and all of a sudden the pepperoni said, there's 27 pounds. And the ham said, we have 16 pounds. And the large dough said, 37 trays and two patties. I mean, that would just be amazing. So unfortunately, our food doesn't have the ability to talk but you as a learner do. And if somebody's teaching you something that you don't understand, just say, hang on, let me jump in there for a second. I'm not picking up what you're laying down. Could you try to explain it to me in a different way? And let's see if we can get to the finish line a little bit quicker. The trainer's going to be happier. You're going to be happier. And we're going to be on to the next thing much quicker because, heck, we're communicating both ways. And I think that's really, really important. It is. And it's so important that I think we should stop there with Let's Talk Training and let's listen to an ad from our fabulous sponsors. This year, we've done a few virtual training events. I think we could do something for 2022 as well. How about we do them quarterly next year? That is a great idea. We'll do one in February, one in May, one in August, and one in November. I'm thinking 49 bucks a piece again. What do you think? I like that, but I want to do something special for our listeners. How about we do a season pass for just 150 bucks? That's right. Basically, buy three, get one free. Dang, that is a heck of a deal. I like it. I'm in. Count me in. Dates and specific topics we'll deal with as we get closer to each virtual training event because we know stuff changes out in the wild and we don't want to step on any other, I don't know, podcasts, webinars, or calls. How about you, Sam? Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Listen, as soon as this podcast is over, go to trainwithbty.com and buy as many of them as you'd like for 2022, or the smart money is buying the season pass. I like that. The season pass for 150 bucks gets you access to all four of the virtual training events at trainwithbty.com. Another great ad from Better Than Yesterday and Fowler Consulting. Let's, uh, Burgess Meredith from the Twilight Zone. Books, books, all the books I'll need, all the books, all the books I'll ever want. Let's get into our book, Sam. So what we're reading, we're reading The uh, Five Dysfunctions of a Team by Patrick Lincone. Drew, this was your choice. In fact, I think the next three books are your choice because we're going to do a whole series on Lincone. And uh, after reading this one, I am pretty happy you chose 
to do more than one book from this cat. Matt Patterson introduced him to me, gosh, back in 04 with Death by Meeting. Because we were just having terrible leadership meetings. They were lasting like eight hours. Nothing was getting done with it. And he told us all we had a week to read this death by meeting book and come with better ideas for the next meeting. Nice. I loved it. It is exactly in our wheelhouse. It is a fable. It is a quick reading fable. I mean, oh my gosh, he's got what? Probably 10 or 12 chapters that are basically like a page and a half. Like it's just quick reading chapters. The end of chapters are, you know, but... Drew didn't know what, what the next two weeks would hold as a nice teaser to get you into the next chapter. It's just so easy to read. And Five Dysfunctions is a great like foundational book because it, it lays out how to build the team. And then we'll get into like ideal team player or team member engagement. So it, the three books kind of build on each other. Yeah, they really do. And I'll just give you a little spoiler alert on the ideal team player. Some of the players from the five dysfunctions of a team are actually in the ideal team player. So it's kind of what they did next. It's like a Joni Loves Chachi spinoff on Happy Days. And none of wow, our that listeners was a are going to know. crazy old reference. Right? None <laughs> of our listeners are going to know that reference. So, so for me, you know, the fable pulled me in made me want to read what was next. As my voracious reader friends would say, this was a real page turner. I think I knocked this book out in just a couple of sittings. You know, we talked early on in episodes one or two that neither one of us are what I would call voracious readers. No, I'm not a fast reader at all. And I felt like I was binge watching something on Netflix when I read this book. I couldn't put it down. And I kept thinking about when's the next time I'm going to have an opportunity to sit down and pick up the book and finish it. Because For me, it was that great. So, you know, let's get into a little of the nuts and bolts of the book. Patrick spells out the five dysfunctions of a team. I like how he actually went in and how to make improvements on each and every one of them. It's nice because for me, he gives two parts. One of the five dysfunctions is fear of conflict. And it's so cool when the the team that in the fable is like, oh, we don't fear conflict. And he's like, yeah, you have artificial harmony. Everyone gets together, agrees. They kind of walk away and then the conversation starts. And it's cool for me as I read this, Sam, you and I are both in a corporate environment. I I can absolutely pinpoint times where teams acted exactly to his five dysfunctions. It's amazing to me to to think back on those and realize, oh, like, like that project didn't go anywhere. That project was one where I asked to get off of. Like you can start to look at, it makes you feel so uncomfortable once you have that moment of realization that you're in that five dysfunctions, having it spelled out and then having ways to fix it is, it's such an easy read and it's so usable like tonight, like you could go get the book and and start putting in the practice tonight. I love that the fact that of the five, you chose to talk about the fear of conflict because for me, when I read the piece on the fear of conflict and he talked about those dysfunctions... It made me feel like things that I think are important are actually important. You were fortunate enough to lead the OAR team, and I was an evaluator for for six years on that. And I can remember when, you know, when I was on the team, I think we had 15 or 16 evaluators. We'd all come to Ann Arbor, and we'd get inside this big conference room, and we'd start looking at pizzas, and we'd start deciding, is that a grade? Is it a remake? What's wrong with it? What's not wrong with it? And I always had this feeling that, like, When the team is together and we're behind a closed door, we should be able to dig our heels in and have spirited conversations and try to get people onto our side, but also have an open enough mind that if somebody made a great argument, 
that it wasn't a sign of weakness that we could go over to the other side if somebody made a great argument. And when I'm working with clients and I'm working with, you know, above store teams, I tell them, hey, listen, when the door's closed, you guys should be able to argue. You should be able to have spirited conversations about what you think is important as long as you've got an open mind and you're willing to give and take on something. Because if we've got three people in a room and they've all got a load of experience and they've all got a load of knowledge, there's no way that those three people are going to agree on everything. And there's no way when that door opens that any one of those people will have gotten everything they wanted. So that fear of conflict, I think, is so real and people don't want to make people angry and they're worried about what it's going to do to the relationship afterward. And what's really going to ruin the relationship afterward is that you have the conversations outside the room that you should have had inside the room. So I I love that fear of conflict in the five dysfunctions. You know, I, I think that we do our listeners a great dis- or disservice if we tell all five of the dysfunctions. I think oh, I wasn't planning up, to. Oh yeah, yeah. I think, they got to get the book. Yeah, I think they yeah. ought to pick up the book and read it. You know, the other thing that I really loved, and we've talked about this fable thing before. I love that he uses the fable to talk about the five dysfunctions. However, as he's writing the fable and we're reading the fable, everything's not unicorns and rainbows. They are running into challenges. They are running into struggles. And then he's giving us strategies for what I felt like were real life struggles that we could come up against when we're looking at each of these five dysfunctions. I mean, to me, this is a fable, not a fairy tale. And when I read books on business and it becomes a fairy tale, I immediately go to, yeah, that's great. That's nice that you're able to take your typewriter or your word processor or your computer and come up with this story that the guy gets the girl at the end and everybody lives happily ever after. But that's not the world that we live in. And I think his fable is absolutely not a fairy tale. There are points in the story where the characters start to have self-doubt about the importance of staying on track. And there are times where some of the players leave. There's times when some of the players are asked to leave. And I think it does a really good job of mixing fiction with real life and getting a point, getting across the point that he's trying to get across. For those of you that are wondering, because we occasionally talk about it, especially when it's a really big book, the entire book is 200 pages, the hard bound one. I like the hard bound because the paperback ones, I, I fold and I do terrible things to the paperback books. So the, the hardcover book's 200 pages. The fable's about 180 of it. And then the last bit is the manual. There's an assessment for you. There's if you're a leader today, if you're an aspiring leader, he gives you the play-by-play on what to do and when for each of the five dysfunctions to help you and your team. It's why he was the, the keynote speaker for the ATD conference this year. It's why he's on the entree leadership conference that they've got coming up. His stuff's just really good. And I'm sad that it took us 20 episodes to finally do one of his books. And I am super excited that you were like, you want to do three of these in a row? And I was like, yes. And now you're like, let's do five of these in a row. Let's do eight of these in a row. Let's go. I told you before we started recording, I was on Amazon and I ordered three more of his books. So I've got six of them now. And the book we're going to review on the next episode, I'm almost through already. 
which you know for my reading never happened never happened that's unheard of i mean when we're talking about doing recordings for episode the first thing on both of our texts are where you at in the book are you through the book yet i can we record and you know this book is just amazing i just want to hit one more point on the book and then maybe we'll get to our final review unless you've got more you want to of course but at the end he says teamwork ultimately comes down to practicing a small set of principles over a long period of time and i think to myself really isn't that the case with anything we want to be successful at it comes down to having a set of guiding principles and sticking to them regardless of whatever obstacles you come up against and sticking with them for a long enough time. You know, I, I see with my clients and managers that I've dealt with, the biggest challenges they have to making long-term incremental sustainable growth is they're not sticking with something long enough. And if they don't get an immediate result, then they say, well, this isn't going to work. If you're trying to make big changes in your organizations, it's going to take a long time to turn things. And once you've decided what direction you want to go, once you plot the course, stay the course. And I, you know, I had a conversation with a client just a couple of weeks ago and the franchisee was in the room and his team was telling me we plot these courses. And then when we don't get instant results, we change courses and we end up not getting anywhere. And when I pointed that out to him in a much gentler way, he was like, yeah, that makes sense. And he's made a commitment to his team to plot a course and stay the course. And I think as leaders, that's what's really important for us is to ultimately practicing a small set of principles over a long period of time to get sustainable improvement and get to where we want to be. I do want to get to where this book is going to go. I do want to say one thing for the listeners. Almost every one of Patrick's books is told from the view of the CEO. If you are not a CEO, do not assume that this fable or book is not for you. He takes it from the CEO standpoint because that's where he's most familiar. You can very easily draw those lines down. And if you're a store manager, it's your assistance and your experienced driver and your experience. Like you can put those people in the same places in the book and it applies to you. So as long as you're a manager of people or you're aspiring to be a manager of people, these books still work, even though they're written from the point of view of a CEO of whatever, multi-million dollar global companies. Don't let that in the first page or two run you off. This is still for you. And I think he does a good job in both the books that I've read so far of saying the same thing. You're the CEO of your life. If there's something you want to accomplish, these things are going to work for you as well. So Drew, are you going to put this in the donation bin? Is it going to be on your shelf somewhere collecting dust? Is it going to be on your desk, in your backpack? Or are you going to buy this one and send it out? I had read this one before, but it's been like 10 years. I got to say it's going to be on the desk. I don't think I'm going to carry it around in the backpack. I think I'm going to go on the desk just because I like death by meeting. We're not even going to get to death by meeting and I love death by meeting. So for me, this is more, I want to keep this stuff close by so I can use it and fold it into what I do to help clients and those around me. 
How about you, Sam? It seems like every book we've read, I want to carry around in my book bag and I want to carry around in my backpack and I want to buy it and send it out to people. And mine's going to land in the same place. It's going to be on the desk and I'm going to revert to it and I'm going to talk to people about it. And I think for our listeners, it should be on their desk as well. So I think you should go to train to BTY dot com or you should go to fowlerconsult.com and choose the link that'll take you to pick up the book and again and if you know if you're going to buy any of these books that we review man we'd really be appreciative if you bought it from the links off our sites cuz that helps us keep the lights on here at the old Drew and Sam Talk Training podcast so we'd appreciate that true but this one if you haven't read it you should if you haven't read it in a long time it's a quick, easy read, and I think it'll help you get back to some things that maybe you want to remind yourself of. So I'm with you 100% on this one, Drew. It's going to be on my desk and probably on my desk for quite some time. And with that, Sam, let's uh, hear a little from Liam. I do have are a very particular set of skills, skills I've acquired over a very long career. So what are you taking from the stores this week, Sam? As it turns out, I really loved when we were talking to Sheldon and he was talking about his circle and how important it is to get out of your small circle and into a bigger circle, because you're only going to fly as far as, you know, the biggest person in your small circle is going to go and you've got to expand your resources. So I was on Facebook on the general manager's page and Alex from Minnesota way back in October posted, Hey, does anybody want to be Domino's pen pals? preferably someone in a different part of the country, someone to share goals with, talk about our struggles and areas for improvement, as well as celebrating wins. I'm located in Minnesota. If you're interested, send me a request. So Alex and I are actually friends on Facebook and he's one of the honey badgers and I've had an opportunity to have him in a couple of classes. So I reached out to him and I said, hey man, do you mind if I mention you in our next Taken segment? Turns out he's a regular listener of the podcast. So thank you so much for that, Alex. And he's like, oh man, that'd be great. So my Taken comes from Alex in Minnesota. And I love the fact that he reached out to the community and said, let's start communicating more with one another. I think as busy as we all are right now, I think there's going to be times where you need somebody that is sharing the same struggle with you or somebody that has just accomplished something and nobody understands how hard that accomplishment was more than your pen pal. I absolutely love this idea. And I think it would be great if we all got ourselves a pen pal, or as my old friend, Jeff Musser used to say, get yourself an accountability buddy, somebody that will help you keep on track with your goals and keep you on track and pick you up on those days where, uh, I don't know, maybe it's a no bones day. But And you need someone to help you out. So for me, my take in Drew comes from Alex and get yourself a pen pal. Get yourself somebody that will help you push through the tough days and help you celebrate the good days. How about you, Drew? What's your taking? I saw on LinkedIn the other day, uh, Simon Sinek had posted, a mentor isn't someone who shows you the way. They're the one walking next to you. And that's exactly it. It's that, it's that support group. It's not not a good gripe session. It's a solution team and a celebration group. Like it's absolutely needed. Mine is uh, actually from you. It is the first order of the day tracker because we should be more aware and tracking 
our goals and putting down the first order of the day and where we're at is a huge one because if you don't know where how long your first order is taken, you're missing out on everything else. And as Sheldon will say in the interview in just a couple minutes, that's a huge part to what we try and do. So I'm a, I'm a huge fan. That's my taken. Well, thanks so much for uh, giving me a little credit there. I love it. I wish I could take the credit. Uh, one of my clients actually asked me to put that together for them. And if you're wondering what the heck we're talking about, I've put together a job aid that you can hang in your store and it's for you to track your first order of the day. What was the load time? What was the wait time? What was the out the door time? And what was the EADT? So it's something that we can put in front of everybody. Sheldon's going to talk about his red light theory, and you'll hear about that in their interview. And I think this is a great tool, you know, circling back to Let's Talk Training. This is a great tool to help with awareness of how important it is to make sure that that first order of the day gets out. And this is one of the things that I used back when I was doing some work with Sharon Chris Sr. We tracked first order of the day, and it was just amazing to me how quickly it got better once we started to put it in front of everybody. We would share first order of the day. What gets measured gets done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We would share first order of the day at managers meetings and we would say who had the best and who had the worst and rarely did anybody have the worst two times in a row. It got to be a point of real healthy competition and friendly jabbing between one another and simply tracking that first order of the day started making the whole day go better. It was just amazing. So listeners, if you'd like that first order of the day tracking job aid, just reach out to me at uh, sam at fouserconsulting.net and I'll be happy to email it to you or message us on Facebook or do whatever the heck it is you need to do to get a hold of me and I'll make sure you get a copy of that PDF. Hey, with that, let's hear from our sponsors again. This year, we've done a few virtual training events. I think we could do something for 2022 as well. How about we do them quarterly next year? That is a great idea. We'll do one in February, one in May, one in August, and one in November. I'm thinking 49 bucks a piece again. What do you think? I like that, but I want to do something special for our listeners. How about we do a season pass for just 150 bucks? That's right. Basically, buy three, get one free. Dang, that is a heck of a deal. I like it. I'm in. Count me in. Dates and specific topics we'll deal with as we get closer to each virtual training event because we know stuff changes out in the wild and we don't want to step on any other, I don't know, podcasts, webinars, or calls. How about you, Sam? Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Listen, as soon as this podcast is over, go to trainwithbty.com and buy as many of them as you'd like for 2022 or the smart money is buying the season pass. I like that. The season pass for 150 bucks gets you access to all four of the virtual training events at trainwithbty.com. On this episode, we've got a true rock star and just an amazing dominoid as an interview. Let's get right to our interview with Domino's own Sheldon Port. Welcome back to Drew and Sam Talk Training. In this fabulous episode, we get to talk to franchisee Sheldon Port. Sheldon, how are you doing today? I'm good, Drew. How are you? I'm fantastic. I get to start off almost 
all of our guests with the same question. So here you go. Can you tell our listeners in the event, the four people don't, that don't know you want to know what's your story? How'd you get to where you're at? I joined the army right out of army national guard, right out of high school. I wanted college money. And I figured if I joined the national guard, I would never get deployed. And I ended up getting deployed and never went to college. So it was a complete backfire on my part. But I got back from basic training and a buddy of mine was, you know, we had just had a Domino's open in my hometown of Huntington, Pennsylvania. It had opened the summer of my senior year of high school. So when I got back from basic training, I asked him, I was like, you making good money? And he, you know, I'd see his truck all over town with a Domino's car top. And he said he was enjoying it. So I was like, okay, you know, I'll go, go start working there. As most of us do that are still with the brand this many years later, I just instantly fell in love with it. Uh, my franchisee at the time was was super young. I think he was like 26 or 27. And I was super intrigued with how somebody could own a, a, a Domino's pizza store at, at that young. And, you know, I come to find out, you know, all the rules if you're a GM for a year and you can get this this much working capital and, and all the all those minor details that you can open your own store. So I it pretty much at 18 and a half years old, I knew what I was going to do. You know, I wanted to learn how to start running shift and be a GM and I was going to do whatever it took, move anywhere and sacrifice anything, leave friends, you know, sleeping in 300 square foot studio apartments in bad areas just to get my shot. And here we are. So when did that shot happen? When did you actually become a franchisee? I started Domino's in January 2000 and I franchised in June of 2009. So nine years later. Excellent. Where was your first store? The same town that motivated me and the same franchisee that motivated me to become a franchisee. I ended up buying his store in, in 09. So where I started, it all circled back. Pretty awesome. I'm uh, like most Americans. Geography is not my thing but I do have Google. So it looks like Huntington is pretty much centered between Pittsburgh and Philly. Have I got the right Huntington? Yeah. Right in the middle. If you drew a line across the middle and top and everywhere, we're pretty darn close to that. And how many stores do you have today? 11. Wow. That keeps you busy. I bet. Yeah. I don't remember my last under 50 hour work week unless I, I turned 40 and uh, a, a group of us went to Napa. And that was the first time I had turned off my phone uh, in what, 12 years. So it was, <laughs> I literally, I, the, the coolest thing that I saw was you've used your phone 13 hours less this week than, than last when I was on vacation. It was, it was pretty awesome. That's nice. That's awesome. So I see you're wearing a hat. And it says, yeah. it seems to say St. Louis on it. How Correct. does a young man that grew up between Pittsburgh and Philadelphia come to have a St. Louis hat on? You know, the same reason anyone moves anywhere. Uh, ex, an ex-girl brought me to St. Louis, which was, you know, it, I fell in love with the city. And yeah, the small town boy ended up in the, the big city for a while. And, you know, I was fortunate to work under Mark Ratterman at the time. I had 52 stores. I think he's at a trillion now or some in counting, but uh, it was super cool to, to go from a lot of, you know, a single store franchisee to 11 store franchisee in Allentown, Pennsylvania to a 52 store. So it was, I really used that to my advantage to see how each one operated differently on different levels. And, and that really helped me when I franchised that I was able to take the 
the good from all those organizations and leave the bad. So I, I would encourage anybody listening that's thinking about doing it to, you know, broaden your horizons as much as possible, even if it means working in different stores within your organization. And I'm a huge fan of broadening the horizons and, and working in different stores. I did the same thing when I was coming up. But I think your experience is slightly different because some of our listeners may not recognize your voice, but if we put a picture up, they might, <laughs> especially if you had like a microphone stand in front of you, they might recognize you. So I got to ask, have they finalized the deal yet? Are you, are you playing at the next rally? We are. We got the word. They gave it, they're giving us another shot since the 2020 rally was, was postponed. So my band will be playing the closing ceremonies at the 2022 worldwide rally, which is super crazy to say. That is absolutely awesome. I need to put in a request now for some Foo Fighters. Can I do that? Is that okay? We've busted out some Foo Fighters in the past. My guitarist will love you immensely because he's always wanting to play some Foo Fighters. All right. All right. Cool. Then, then we'll, we'll, have, we'll make sure that that you know, I'll, I'll, I'll slip you a little email with, with a song or two later. Sounds good. That's fantastic. Yeah. I remember, uh, I think it was what, 2018. Was that the last rally you did? Yeah, we, uh, so not to get too off topic, but I, you know, I'd been to many rallies and, you know, I was in through my twenties and younger thirties and no offense to the, older guys out there, but the Aria Speedwagons and the, some of the, hey, the bands. Hey, that, hey, that's, hey, right hey, you, that's right at you, Sam. Totally the, right it, at you. We might be on a Zoom, but I'm just digging that knife right in, man. Oh my God, you cut me deep, Shrek. No, man, I love them. I, you know, I, I do, but, you know, I would go to the closing ceremony and everybody else would be out on the strip. You know, it just wasn't. So I just had an idea. I said, you know, I, our band was, you know, I'm not even going to be humble about it. Our band's amazing. We're a good time. And I, you know, I thought it would be something cool for the younger group to keep them around a little bit. So I reached out and luckily Domino's gave me a shot to open up for earth, wind and fire, which was an insane experience. And, you know, everyone seemed to really love it. And we got invited back, which is super awesome. So we're actually going to be the headliners this time and get more than 30 minutes. So really get to showcase what we're all about. So Yeah. And again, I, I don't think this is off topic as at all. You know, in my nearly 40 years with the brand, I've been to many rallies. And I remember the 18 rally. I was sitting up there with my good friend, Dennis Ryan. And we're in this, I don't know, it's a huge arena. I mean, the first time they did the opening ceremony in that, or the opening statements in that arena, I was like, oh my God, Domino's is a big deal now. And before the rally was a big deal, you know, there are 4,000, 5,000 people, but I think they were close to 9,000 at the 18 rally. And we're here at this closing concert. And this was before I knew you, this is before I knew who, you, what your name was, what your face was. And somebody says, that's a franchisee up on the stage. And I looked at him and go, that guy doesn't suck. This is good. <laughs> I mean, the music was the music was just amazing. And now that I know you and I know a little bit about your personality, it's not surprising to me at all that the show is so great. And if for no other reason in the world, I will be going to the next rally just to carry your bags, brother. There we go, man. I appreciate it. It's going to be a good time for sure. So let's stay off topic for just a second. Drew is a big hockey fan and I am a big hockey fan. Uh oh. So, you know, I live in Michigan. So I'm a diehard Red Wings fan. Okay. Drew is a big 
I'm going <laughs> to, he's told me before, but I want to say Rangers fan. Is that right? Drew? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's New York Rangers all the time. Yeah. So I just saw on Facebook that you're a bit of a blues fan. And in fact, maybe you've got some tickets to the upcoming season. I just want to tell you, and with all due respect, I hope your team loses every single game, brother. <laughs> well, we're only off to the best start in franchise history. So your, your wish is far from coming true at this moment in time. That is not a new story for me. <laughs> All right. The sports, we're talking hockey. He's probably going to talk baseball next because we already went after the hat you're wearing. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's really off topic here, Sheldon. Really off topic. Actually, hey. everything's on topic. It's fine. Yeah. Us dominoes well, guys don't get to go off topic, you know, too often. So it's, it's nice. that's right. I mean, I, you brought it up, baseball. I mean, let's talk about Cardinals, Tigers, sixty-eight World Series. I mean, that's, oh, that's six a World little, Series. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you guys were the huge for, yeah, yeah, good times. That's what made me fall in love. I moved here in '06, and that we won the World Series the first year, and it was it was pretty easy for me. Nice, and uh, if if memory serves me, you've got a pretty good view of the uh, ballpark, don't you? I do, I do. It's it's not too bad. That's that, that hard work paying off. I said, you know, I'm going to treat myself for sure. Yeah, there you go. I think you deserve it. So tell us more about the 11 stores. How are things going? What, do you, what are your biggest challenges? And what do you see down the road for you as far as growth or more stores or, or what's next for Sheldon? Yeah, I took over, you know, I went from four to 10 overnight with six, you know, one was, one was considered brand damaging. The other five weren't too far behind. So, you know, this was, Two and a half years ago, this was May, May of before the pandemic or April before the pandemic of 19. So it was so insanely incredible to go from that to go to that level. You know, seven years ago, eight years ago, I said I would never own a second store, you know, and then obviously things changed just quite a bit. You know, even up to seven and a half years ago, we just celebrated seven year anniversary two or three days ago for my second store. But um, things took off quick. And I, I think the biggest challenge was just getting systems created for, for the, the 10. And then we took over another one going to 11 last year. So it's just just a lot going on. And, and when I was coming up through the system, you know, most of the managers and GMs that we had in, in stores, you know, I don't know what the average GM tenure was. 15 years ago, but I would be, I'd be hard pressed to say it was probably five or more years or at least three or more years in the system. You know, there was people that just didn't turn over before our rapid growth. We just had these long tenured, slow kind of growth thing. And I think, you know, my, my business or my franchise in general kind of sums up what the brand has done. We've exploded. We, we went to this number that I think even caught a lot of us off guard and what, you know, to answer part of your question, what, we're facing today is really getting back to the basics because of the growth that we've had so fast getting these new GMs. You know, I have six, seven GMs right now, I think that are under a year and half of them are under six months. So getting them to really understand what made me fall in love with the brand and what made me succeed with the brand more so. So that's the biggest challenge that we're facing today is just really figuring out a way to get back to the basics. And one thing that I'm strongly working on is, is trying to work on the systems to get my GMs back to, I'm calling it like a covered in cornmeal time to where we have like 30 hours of, of kind of covered in cornmeal time and then 10, 15, 10 to 15 hours of admin time so that these guys have time to breathe 
because the GM position as it exists today exists almost the same as it did 20 years ago. And sales have, you know, obviously gone way up and we've added so many different menu items and all these things. So the job has changed so much, but yet we still are having our GMs GM the same way. So I'm really focused on trying to create a new way of our GMs to be thinking and moving our brand forward. Funny you'd mention that because my last time GMing was 20 years ago. And my franchisee at the time, Mac Patterson, I would, I would tell him like, Mac, I have this dream of being able to wear like a white button down shirt on a Friday as a GM. And he's like, no, 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 you got to get dirty. I'm like, no, but that's just it. What if I didn't have to like, <laughs> what if, what if we can put it in place that, that there are the processes and systems that those GMs can actually manage. Cause if you start to look outside of the domino sphere, most managers don't get into the, the weeds like we do. And I think it causes some of that stress. And especially when we're short staff like this, it's a huge, huge layer of stress on, on the team. So what's, uh, what's some of the things that you're doing to, to help your, fran- your franchisees, help your GMs with that? How are you helping them get out of that cornmeal? We're actually in the process. We have a, uh, I guess you'd call it a test store. We're only two weeks in at this point. This is kind of a dream that I've had in mind. But I had, a, I had a GM reach out to me and it was, you know, stress. The work-life balance wasn't there. And we had to talk about it. And I, I said, email me, email me all your thoughts and, and everything. And he did. And I didn't disagree with one thing that he had. You know, he, we expect them to respond to our emails and, and be doing these things. And it's just like, these guys are in their stores 50, 60 hours a week if they're lucky, you know, and it's that many, they get to only work 50 hours. And a 10 year GM of, you know, three plus years can figure their way through that and they can fight their way through that because they've seen it. A six month GM doesn't even know their job, let alone, you know, how to push people through that. So, you know, to answer your question, we're, we're kind of in the early phases of this, but me as an owner, I just, you know, it has to come to a point where I just got to eat a little payroll on this to understand that this is our next step in the evolution of this brand. If we're going to stop treading water or, or drowning in some of these instances that we got to really rethink how our stores are being ran because essentially they're being ran the exact same way under completely different stressful conditions of, of 2021. So, you know, I don't have intangible answers right now, but we're, we're working on that. And that is my, that is my baby right now. And what I'm dead set on figuring out and cracking the code on. So when you say dead set on figuring out and cracking the code on this covered in cornmeal for 30 hours and 10 to 15 hours of admin. So, you know, a work week of 45 ish hours. You know, I, I know for a fact, because Drew and I have some connections with some of the same people that, that you consider your inner circle. And I know that you guys get on calls a lot together. Who's in your inner circle? And are you guys talking about these things together and trying to come up with things together as a group? Or do you feel like you're out on an island as a franchisee trying to get it done yourself? It's crazy you mentioned that because we, you know, we have BPM meetings, we you know, our, our leadership is now asking us to bring a piece of advice. And the last piece of advice I left mine is get out of your, you know, every, I think every DMA or every franchisee maybe has that original click they're comfortable with, or a manager that they come up through the system with within their organization that, you know, those birds are only going to fly as far as the other one. Cause that, you know, that they're, they've come up under the same organization. They think the same way. So 
my recommendation to anybody out there is get out of the, get out of your, your comfort zone and those clicks. And, and I was very guilty of that for a very long time. And the minute that, that I did, and I was fortunate enough actually two years ago yesterday to get invited to Rich's house and met the Elwells right a little bit before that time, Anthony Satterwhite was introduced to me from Sarah Heber. He was kind of going through a lot of the same things that I was going through. Through these friendships, Anthony, I don't know that there's a franchisee in a system that that guy doesn't know. He's introduced us and we've, we've kind of started this next gen group chat that we call it. My goodness, I don't even want to start name dropping because I know I'm going to forget people, but Mason Burnham, Corey McKenna, you know, Chris Slater, Anthony Satterwhite, the Elwells, Mike Harding, Jimmy Rudlinger, like, uh, you know, so many of these people and I'm going to forget some and they're going to be mad, but... Oh, don't worry. Don't worry. Once we're once we drop this, we're totally going to tag the ones you missed. It's fine. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, and then there's, you know, out of that, we have a big group and then out of that big group, there's kind of a core group of us. You know, that's the team that, you know, they I went to Napa Valley with these guys and, you know, they're just they're our best friends, but we're, they're my best friends and what got me through this pandemic. And, you know, I think they would say the same, but to kind of answer your question, you know, I know I talked to Emily a little bit, the Elwells, I know they have a store, a couple stores or a store too, where they have a four day work week for managers that they have a little different criteria that they're working on. But I think the beautiful thing about our group is we all have enough trust in our systems and in each other enough that instead of having both of us or, or multiple of us kind of attacking the same thing in some instances, and not, this isn't for every instance, but in some instances, you know, I'll be attacking one, one thing and, you know, seeing what's working and what's not while the LLs are, you know, doing cutting edge or load and go or whatever they're working on. And, you know, and Jimmy or Anthony or Mike are, are working on something else. And we all are constantly sharing these ideas, but I, as far as us, we're never on an island, but we're also kind of, you know, getting rooted on from the other person. Hey, let us know how this is going. You know, we, we're, we'd love that feedback on how this is going for you. So of the things you, you talk about with that group or just for you, what's, what's got you worked up beyond the, the work week hours right now? What, what's something else that, that you're working on in your stores? You know, kind of just what I said, you know, really really focusing on the basics of these guys. You know, yesterday I spent time, I, I pulled literally, you know, Monday through Sunday, the prior week, you know, I sent each store what their, their load time and wait time was on their first order of the day. And just giving them that perspective of understanding, like, why is your wait time the first order of the day? Like, first off asking them, what do you think your wait time should be on the first order of the day? And, and it's funny, they're all like zero or I'm like, okay, well then, you know, here's 5.4, you know, what's your driver? So to really getting them to, to, they know the answer, but why aren't we doing it? So really just getting back to the basics. I had a conversation with my director of ops right before we got on a call today. And it's just, we try to attack so many things at once. And I think for us, it's just really getting back to those. Let's set one little goal or two little goals and let's crush it this week. And then, and then build on that and build on that. So outside of just getting back to the basics and creating awareness for my team is, is my baby is again, like I said, is just, figuring out and, and investing my money and time into figuring out how we can get our GMs to build our future. Uh, that's, that's the answer. That is the only answer at this point in time, because until we do that, we can't keep growing at this rate and, and let the blind lead the blind. You know, it's kind of like you clone a clone and it loses a little bit. And then the next one, we're, we're a million clones into this and we've lost 
a lot of it. So for what it's worth, Sheldon, I, I think you're on the right path. I think that because of all the things that have come out with Domino's Pizza in the last five, 10 years, all of these great things, the technology and the new menu items, I think we've really lost a sense of side-by-side training and teaching the guys and gals that are out there on the front lines, the importance of what Tom said was so important way back in 1960, and that's product, service, and image. Every pizza has got to be great. We've got to service every pizza as best we can. And even if it's later than we want it to be, we've still got to smile and make people get a great Domino's pizza experience, not a simple McDonald's transaction. And, you know, I think image is important as always. And unfortunately, what I'm seeing out in the world is because we've got some of these staffing issues, some of our leaders are letting their standards drop down on things like image and on things like punctuality. And Drew and I do a little segment where we we do leadership books. And the one we do in this episode about let them lead, you know, John U. Bacon gets into this. You've got to do the exact opposite. You've got to set high standards so people want to be on your team and people want to win. Because for goodness sake, if we can't wear the uniform correctly, how can we perform cutting edge or load and go or be nice to customers? And I just, I applaud you highly for wanting to get the basics correct and then moving on from there. And I think you said it really well, that if we focus on everything, we end up focusing on nothing. And we end up we end up spinning our wheels, and then a year from now we wonder why we're maybe even a little bit worse than we were a year prior. Whereas if we focused on something a step at a time and we got incremental, sustainable improvement, I think a year from now we'd be in places we never dreamed yeah. of. Well, wouldn't that be because you're just a little bit better than yesterday? Exactly. I like it. I like what you did there. As bad as I am at dominating the conversation, he'll throw you under the bus. And Drew is equally as bad getting a better than yesterday drop anytime he can. But to his credit, that is one heck of a great name for a consulting company. It is. It it definitely is. What I said earlier, you guys sat through my change management class in in St. Louis at at the rally we held here. And, you know, I'm an advocate for change. I'm all about change and and the right way to present it. But I'm not naive that things have changed since. 20 years ago, you know, how you talk to people, how things are done. So you have to be conscious of that. But at the same time, uh, knowing what got me to this position, like when I started, when I started with Domino's, it didn't matter. I I didn't know what food, hitting food meant or, you know, anything. I just knew that when that phone rang, it was get to the phone, get the order made, get it out the door. And that was, you know, and, and look good doing it and sound good doing it. And all the other things were things that came to me. So us understanding that my organization now, and that's why I said, I had the conversation with my director of ops staff. We have been so wrapped up in, you know, the, the, maybe a little food waste here or there or some labor. And it's just like, First off, let's just get back to not having a four minute wait time on that first order of the day. Because if we're if we're failing there, if our urgency and mentality of that order isn't there, then it's not there the, the other 14 hours of the workday. So we've got to focus on something if we want to get some traction on something. So I think that's that's hugely important. And then the, the other thing that I think is great is our mutual friend Jeremy Hill says we've got to do a better job of humanizing the experience. Because we've become so busy, we're just creating transaction after transaction after transaction. 
and we're not giving our guests great experiences and humanizing the transaction. And I try to tell people all the time when I'm on the make line with them, you're not just making a pizza or clearing the screen. We are making someone's meal. We are creating an experience for them that hopefully they remember and they want to they want to have again and again and again. I think that ties hand in hand with the things you know I'm talking about is is there's a comfort level too. I mean, you all you all know when you're you're starting and you're uncomfortable running a store and you, you don't feel confident that you're going to get these orders in in time. So you're you're then you're short with customers and you're you're cutting corners and and maybe saying things that you shouldn't say or cutting customers off on the phone or doing what you can. And I think it that that also just ties into what I'm, you know, I'm really working on my organization is getting these guys to understand their roles and their jobs and creating a comfort in the, within the store so that when that customer comes in, there's not that feeling of panic. There's this feeling of, oh, I got this. Like I, I got, I'm in control. I know what to do here. I know, you know, yes, a driver called off, but I know how to handle this. I know how to quote the right times and be the person I need to be where I think we're just seriously lacking that in my organization. I think probably across the board as a, as a whole in this company. Sam mentioned a couple of the books that we're talking about and, and I want to get into a little bit about that with you because I, I think we could talk about who your perfect or ideal general manager is, because it sounds to me like you're starting to lay that out between some of the processes and some of the expectations. So who is it that you're looking for to be on your team? We don't even like to use the word, you know, I know it's, it, it, we do managers, you know, I don't like to use that. I want my perfect general manager is, is obviously the things we talked about, you know, off the phone, 911 mode. When that, when that bell goes off, it's somebody calling 911 and we need to get that order in or get it out the door or whatever it is, you know, that, that to me is a given, you know, as far as a, a GM is somebody who can make great product, look good doing it, sound good doing it, get it out the door quickly. Those things are, they're automatics for me to peel the layers back just a little bit more. It's got to be a leader. It's got to be somebody who inspires others to want to come in, not want to call off, not, you know, they want to be part of that. Also community driven so that people understand that we're more than, more than just dominoes. We're, you know, we do fundraisers, we do these things, you know, but the, the most important aspect for me is that leadership aspect that a perfect GM would be somebody who understands that making everyone else around them successful is is the key to their success. And and I think a lot of the times GMs, you know, hold themselves back by not making everyone else around them better. So that that to me, I hope I answered the question is, you know, the outside those givens of product service image, you know, it, being a great leader and ins- an inspiration to other people underneath you is is what I'm looking for. Yeah, I think that answers the question. Yeah. Oh yeah, completely. Cause the the PSI part is what we train, but but your the inspiration piece and that leadership piece, that's what you're looking for coming to the table. We can always work with the rest. Yeah. You completely answered that question. You know, my director of ops, you know, in, and this is an example of just being trained properly and under and being comfortable in your role. You know, I trained her from start to finish, you know, 60, 70 hour weeks for eight weeks straight, me and her one-on-one. And she was very comfortable in her role. She knew the expectations and it would be a dream if we could do that with every single person so that they, they understand how to talk to people. Okay. This is how we, this is how we discipline people. We're not going to be yelling at them in front of everybody. We're going to pull them aside and, and it's going to be a coaching session. It's not. So getting everybody to understand that is the, what makes me lose sleep at night to know that there, that I do have GMs or I do have shift leads that are, that aren't talking to people the way that I want my company represented. I want, you know, my goal is to have 
Domino's Pizza to be the number one choice of employer in our area because we talk to people the right way. We train you, we set you up for success. And that's, and I know that we're not achieving that across the board, but you know, that until we do, that's the things that makes me lose sleep. I think the biggest challenge for me and Drew, probably for you as well is, you know, Drew and I have the luxury of doing training events where we get people in a room and we've got an agenda and we've got stuff we want to go through. But what I find, and maybe I shouldn't say this out loud, but I'm going to, what I find to be the most effective training is when I'm standing next to somebody inside a store and something comes up and I've got a 15 or 20 second window to, oh, let's run that again. Let's role play that again. What if you did this? What if you did that? And I think that's where people really get those skills that you're talking about, about how to talk to a team member because it's fresh in their mind. It just happened. And unfortunately, I think, that the challenges that today's leaders have is because they don't have overlap time with their assistants or overlap time with even their franchisees. Sometimes they don't get those 15 and 20 second training opportunities that as I think back, uh, listen, I, I love the training events. They're awesome. We have fun. We learn stuff, but those 15 second interactions of on the job training and real life stuff and while it's fresh in your mind, I, I think those are what really determine the good leaders from the great leaders, the ones that have the opportunity to get those. I don't want to throw any franchisee or leader that I had coming up through the system under the bus, but my my goal, and I tell this to my new GMs all the time, is to help. I want to cut your learning curve. You know, it took me, I'm still getting, I still consider myself getting better every day, but there was there was a period of time in my younger GM days where, you know, the pizza would fly off the wall, you know, or, or I would do or say things to people in a manner that I would be ashamed of, of, of doing now, you know, not inappropriate things, just saying it in a, in a uh, inappropriate way of, of scolding them in a way that didn't make any of us any better. So my goal is, it's not that I don't expect my GMs to probably be doing the same thing. It's to listen to me and help me cut that learning curve from you. So you're not doing those same exact things that I did. You know, it's kind of like a parent, like I'm here, I'm here to make sure that you don't do the same, make the same mistakes I do, even though you're probably going to, you know. And can we go back a couple questions? Cause you'd mentioned 911 attitude and I want you to actually dig in on that a little bit and tell us more about that. Cause I think you got to a little bit of it, but that was the first time I've heard it. And I really like that phrase enough that I, I think I even saw Sam write that down too. So it's, it's funny that you bring that up because it, Sam just talked about those training events. And that was something that I heard at a training event that really stuck with me of, you know, you got to consider when, when that phone back, back in the day, it was his phone or, you know, and that internet bell goes off or anything is happening in the store that is a, it's a service perspective, it needs to be treated like you're, you're a 911 responder, you know, and that's, if you go into it, that mentality and can create that mentality. I think that's just the thing is just helping these guys understand of creating a mentality. You know, there's champions out there. I, I don't even know what's inside, you know, and I, I can't believe I'm saying this because I despise the man for so long and now you can't not respect him. But a Tom Brady. I can't imagine the mindset and the mentality that that dude has to be out there at his age, this many years later, already the best to still have that drive. And it's just, a, it, it, or Tiger Woods, when he was it, in his peak of creating that mentality. And once you do, there was never a time where I'm in a store where you don't have that. Once you say to yourself, 
no matter what's going on when that phone rings or no matter what's going on, when you create that mindset that this is how I'm going to do. When I created the mindset at 18 and a half years old, I'm going to be a franchisee. Once you create those mindsets and, you, and you're able to control that. So that's that 911 thing really stuck to me of that I use in training a lot is, is that. I think the best example of that 911 mindset that I've ever seen, and I mean ever, bar none, and I didn't even think of it as a 911 mindset then, but I love that. And yes, I did write it down. I was shooting a training video in Olive Branch, Mississippi with Jason Shivlet. Yeah, dude's a beast. <laughs> we were in the middle of a shot. I kid you not. The tape was rolling and Dan Reiser with Shed Light Productions, who did all our videos back then, is behind the camera and a customer walks in and Jason is reading dialogue in the yep. shot and just drops the dialogue and says, hey, welcome to us. Can I help you? And we all look at each other, go, dude, we're in the middle not of a anymore, shot. Not. And now I think of it, I think of it years later and I'm like, man, he understood what was most important. It didn't matter. In his mind, you weren't in the middle of a shot. Yeah. In his mind, that all went away the minute a customer came in or a phone rang or uh, anything. And, and that's the mindset I'm talking about is just understanding when you when you can see this business through a different lens. And, and the thing is, is we everybody can. It's just my goal is I know that my six month GM can get to where I'm at. Like if I can show them the light and they can feel comfortable getting there. A lot of these times, these guys aren't giving themselves the benefit of the doubt. They're quitting after eight, nine months. Cause you know, I always say once you get to like, it's like that 14 month mark is where I think a GM, it really starts kind of clicking. And, and a lot of those newness things go away, but I, I just, I, my, my team will laugh at me because I use this analogy all the time. Cause I want them thinking through a different lens and it's back to it, it's back to that wait time of the first order of the day. So I, I use this analogy all the time and they're going to listen. They're going to laugh at me, but I, I say, I use the red light analogy. So if, if us three are sitting at a red light and drew your first Dan, your second and I'm third at that red light in cars and that light turns green and drew waits 10 seconds or a minute to go. And let's say it's rush hour and there's a hundred cars behind me, every single car, the rest of that rush hour until it's completely dead on the streets is now as far behind as you made them. So that's the first order of the day. That's the first order of dinner rush. That's the first order of everything. If you're a minute behind on that first one, every single order, every single car is now a minute behind until you're completely caught up. And I just don't think a lot of people, you know, after 22 years, you start thinking of things differently. Your mind works differently. And that's the things that I, that I think about that I try to put on my team is like, you're, you're setting yourself up for failure on this first order, whether it's of the day of the lunch rush of the dinner rush, you know, whatever it is. So my job and, and our job as leaders is to help people see through that perspective that think of it as 911, think of it as a red light, think of it as whatever the other thing is, is to really get people to understand through those lenses and those, you know, those perspectives. That's amazing. Hey, listen, we want to be respectful of your time. And when I asked you to come on, I knew it was going to be a, a great conversation, but I had no idea it was going to be this great. Awesome. I mean, you're, you're, you're the real deal, dude. I, I really appreciate it. And I think, I think your team and the brand is so much better 
to have guys like you. No, I appreciate that. That's seriously, that means a lot from you guys. Happy to be on anytime. If you guys ever want to continue this again, please, I'm, I'm down. I always, always enjoy talking to you guys. From the department of be careful what you ask for. <laughs> Buddy, I love talking business, man. I'm serious. You guys can, uh, we'll do this anytime. That's cool. Well, listen, I've got two more questions and then we'll wrap this up. Question one, we do a book review on every episode. Are you a reader? And if so, what are you reading? I'm embarrassed to say that I'm not. I, uh, I have... man, this is going to really set me back on this, but I have not read a book since high school. I just, I'll read articles. I I watch a lot of videos, but I'm just, I've never been a book reader. And it's something that hopefully someday I can get the patience for. I just got like crazy ADD where, I mean, you guys know me well enough, but I'm just a spaz all over the place in my mind. I'd be reading a book and I'd be thinking about freaking red light theories for wait times or some, you know, something like that. So that's how my mind operates. So I've never just been able to sit down and not be thinking about what's next. Where are we going? I got you. And, and, you know, I was the same way. And that's one of the reasons we added the book review to the podcast, because everybody always says, you got to read, you got to read, you got to read. And Drew and I both struggle with the same thing. I'd be three pages into a book and realize that I have no idea what the last two pages said. All right. Here's my last question. Think about all your years back to kindergarten, in fact. And who was your favorite teacher ever? I got two. I have to. It's it's got it's man. Mrs. Mrs. Roseboro was my third grade teacher. It was the first time I she would bring a guitar in and, and play and sing. Obviously, that that had some effect on me later in life, I think. Yeah, just a little. Uh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I would say so. Yeah. And then and then my high school music teacher, Miss Mitchell, she was uh, Miss Mitchell. She was super awesome, super relaxing, you know, but, you know, obviously the music music was a big part. All right. So so follow up. Mrs. Roseboro or Ms. Mitchell, were either of them easy teachers? Mrs. Roseboro was so long ago without giving my age away too much. Miss Mitchell was. My music teacher was a very easy teacher, probably more easy than she should have been. Very relaxed, but very memorable. And I think a lot of my co-friends and students would say the same thing. So when you say easy, like, was it uh, basket weaving for the blind that college football players take? Or was it easy because she held you to standards, she made you do things and... and you got something out of it? Yeah, I think, and I think I know where you're going with this. I think, yeah, she... She was when when things needed to be done, we knew that she meant business. And that, you know, like I said, I think I know where you're going. It was nice that she gave us our freedoms to go take a nap in the corner if we wanted. But when it was time to when it was practice time or it was a day where we needed to get some things done, it was it was time and we respected that. So I like I said, I think I know where you might be going with this a little bit. Yeah, yeah I think you do. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, great. Any, um, and I said two more questions. I lied and, and Drew's now laughing. Always, I'm actually sure. always laughing. Uh, last question. If I were a 22 year old general manager wanting to become a franchisee, what words of wisdom would you give me? Man, I don't even know where to start back to what, back to what I said. I think, you know, it, it, w- it would be a mix of words of wisdom of get, get more experience dependent on the scenario where they wanted to go, how many stores they wanted to do uh, that many things, but also it'd be a a very hard conversation about the daily things that you face. But I think if, you know, if there's a GM that's already that level and somebody I believe in, they probably already very fully aware of the day to day 
things that we face. And, you know, it's, it's the most rewarding business and by rewarding, not literally and figuratively putting deposits in your emotional bank account, but it's also the most withdrawing <laughs> from that too. So the idea, I guess, get is, is to get more deposits than withdrawals by setting yourself up to get those deposits, I guess. So there'd be so much advice to give, but the most experiences that you can get and gain and listen, because you guys know I'm a talker and I'm sure I probably just made it obvious in this podcast, but I did a lot of listening and I did a lot of hanging around what were considered to be the best. So that would, that would be my advice right there. Hang around with the best, put yourself around the, the cool kids in the Domino's world, the ones that are crushing it, the Franny winners, the, you know, that's what I'm, I, I surround myself with the best every day and it keeps me pushed and it teaches me and keeps me humble. So that, that would be my advice. Oh, and, and you know what? I love that advice because Sam and I are completely following that whole cool kids advice because we've had your whole circle on almost. We're, I mean, we're going through all the CEOs. We're hitting all those cool kids at some point. So Sheldon, I want to thank you so much for your time today. Being that you've told us you'll come back, we will totally take advantage of that at a later date. Don't you worry. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Yeah. Take care guys. So great talking to a actual rock star. It was kind of cool. And as Sam and I barely knew Sheldon before this year. So to have him step up and join us, it, it was just an awesome time. And what you miss is the fact that we talked for about 20 minutes before we started recording and probably another 20 after because he's just such a personable guy. So it was absolutely great. Thanks again, Sheldon, for the time. And with that, let's cut to our sponsors one last time. This year, we've done a few virtual training events. I think we could do something for 2022 as well. How about we do them quarterly next year? That is a great idea. We'll do one in February, one in May, one in August, and one in November. I'm thinking 49 bucks a piece again. What do you think? I like that. But I want to do something special for our listeners. How about we do a season pass for just 150 bucks? That's right. Basically, buy three, get one free. Dang, that is a heck of a deal. I like it. I'm in. Count me in. Dates and specific topics we'll deal with as we get closer to each virtual training event because we know stuff changes out in the wild and we don't want to step on any other, I don't know, podcasts, webinars, or calls. How about you, Sam? Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Listen, as soon as this podcast is over, go to trainwithbty.com and buy as many of them as you'd like for 2022 or the smart money is buying the season pass. I like that. The season pass for 150 bucks gets you access to all four of the virtual training events at trainwithbty.com. Hey, Willie, hit it. So Drew, uh, where are you going to be on the road to? Let's see. It's kind of weird right now, Sam. I have no planned work trips. No planned work trips. I have four clients who I'm talking to in the next 24 hours. So that might change quickly. (laughs) But right now it's all back-end work. I'm trying to really get my hands around the smart recruiter thing to be able to give some kind of an HR 
functionality to some clients because, well, we need to hire people and this tool could actually do it if we understand how to use it. So a lot of my work right now is around that. How about you? Nice. Uh, I've got one trip coming up that I'm really excited about. It's going to be an opportunity for me to teach the curriculum that just makes me smile from ear to ear. I'm going to be doing the train the trainer event in Minnesota with uh, the core group being the Graves organization, the Honey Badgers. And it's going to be the third time that I've done it for their group. I think pretty much all of their above store people go through it at one point or another. Dave Randall is a big fan of this curriculum and is constantly asking me when I'm going to do it next. So I'm going to be doing that. There's still a few open spots remaining. You don't have to be a honey badger to do this, but you do have to come to Minneapolis in November, which could be an interesting trip in and of itself. Uh, But the other thing that's coming up, and this is something that both you and I are working on, is we've just been so fortunate to get some really big names inside the Domino's Pizza Circle for guests. And we're working on some really big names outside the Domino's Pizza Arena to get as guests and we've landed one and I'm not ready to let that cat out of the bag yet, but I'll tell you, you're going to be really excited when we get this person on for an interview and I'm just over the moon that they said yes. Uh, So that's something I've been working on. And, and much like you, I don't have a whole lot of work lined up from now until the end of the year, but with Thanksgiving and Christmas and new years and all that stuff, I'm okay with that this time of year. Yeah, it's just that it's busy season. So I'm I'm okay with that as well. Well, Sam, I guess that brings us to the point where we disembark this boat. Thanks so much for listening. We'd love it if you'd share these episodes with your friends. Like them, follow us, subscribe. And we need you to actually like these or follow us and subscribe because you know the more of you that do that, the more likely we are to get some of these bigger guests we want to pull in. So go on, like us, follow us, and subscribe. This has been episode 20 of Drew and Sam Talk Training. I'm Drew with Better Than Yesterday Consulting. And I'm Sam with Fowser Consulting. As always, man, we just love it if you go out and sell more pizzas. And have more fun. That is all, folks. That's all, folks.